The thing that's important is when you become an influential voice, whether it is from across the kitchen table from your family, across the boardroom table from your team, or when you're standing at the Barclays Center in front of 15,000 people, every single word choice that you make has the ability to impact good or evil, love or hate. It's important that you choose wisely and it's important that you recognize you're going to be criticized People aren't going to like what you have to say. And if we can show up in full integrity and alignment, it doesn't matter. Hello there, friends. I have a question for you. Have you ever had a fear of public speaking? Or maybe you have a message that wanted to reach the masses. Or perhaps maybe you have a talk in the back of your mind, but you're like, there's no way I could ever, ever think of stepping foot on a big stage. Well, today's episode is for you. We are braving all things public speaking, sharing your message, sharing your voice with the world, with the expert and the foremost leader in speaking development, as well as the art of the big talk and her big talk masterclass, where she helps entrepreneurs, everyday humans, and people who just want to get out of their fears of public speaking, get onto and step onto the big stage. And she has done this for hundreds of thousands of aspiring speakers who have made their dreams come true by stepping onto their center stage. Now, Let's join and welcome the award-winning international director, author, and producer, Trisha Brooke. She is also one of my incredible secret ninja mentors to the Brave Table this week. And we dive into all things and how she got her start from being a Broadway producer and the art of production and why the fears of public speaking really hold us back. And if we are able to communicate and convey even short stories, short snippets, it doesn't even have to be on a big stage. Maybe it's just communicating this with a friend, a family member, sharing your voice in a boardroom, sharing your voice if you are the introvert in the room and want to get your points across how to actually do that and convey charisma, convey confidence, and convey a sense and a depth where people are going to be wanting more. This is the episode for you. I'm so excited to bring actually one of my foremost teachers is somebody that I look up to deeply and really respect and admire her work. She's also based in New York City. And the way she thinks about even being and in galvanizing people on stage. She's had many, many standing ovations. She is somebody that you are going to just fall in love with and actually learn so much about. And I'm so excited to welcome her here on The Brave Table. Without further ado, let's sit with Trisha Brooke on The Brave Table. Ah, uh, Trisha, finally. Amazing. How I'm are you? I'm so happy to be here with you, Nita. And I am so excited for everybody who's listening and watching. We got to hug a few days ago because we were in person in Austin at Emily's baby shower. So I'm so grateful for that. I know. I know. I feel like it's been, what, a few years. It's so fascinating. And so tell us how this past year has been for you and what have you been excited on and working on? 
oh my gosh, the past year has been incredible. The past several years has been really incredible for me. I feel so lucky and so fortunate and so filled with gratitude for everything that I am able to do and that I get to do every single day. I mean, the Big Talk Academy is thriving. We're certifying speakers in the art of the Big Talk process. The Influential Voice is doing well. My book, Saying What You Mean for Lasting Legacy, I recorded the audio version of it. And I hired my composer who writes all the lyrics and music for all of my musicals to score it. So I have a, an audiobook that was literally scored by a Broadway lyricist composer. Holy which is cow. Very oh my sexy. gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, if anybody, it would totally be you because, and I want to break down like when we met each other, it was a month before the world shut down. And I was like, okay, I need help with quite a few talks that were coming up to get into speaking season. And I want, you know, just giving everybody context. If you've ever struggled with public speaking, you are the queen that everybody goes to. And so when we spent like two days together, I was like so excited because I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do these talks. And then, you know, literally what, six weeks later, the world shut down and all of those talks either became postponed or, you know, I think I still do elements of the talk that we kind of did together, even just recently, just elements of that. So it really was helpful. But yeah, so take us through your evolution because I know you've worked in Broadway. You've also worked in helping speakers do TED Talks. So, and you are a badass performer yourself. So I just want everyone to know kind of your evolution through the world of teaching others to kind of, you know, share their voice. Thank you. I want to highlight that those two days we spent together in New York were so magical and remarkable. So fun. Because you just completely opened up. And I remember, I mean, this is part of my process, right? It's active listening. So I just asked tons of questions. My fingers are on fire. I'm taking notes. And then I go away and come back with your talk, which is all you. It's all your voice. And yeah, the world shut down. And I remember speaking of Emily again, you did her podcast shortly after that. And I heard you talk about what we mined in those two days. Yes, I know. And honestly, it's so beautiful because so often a lot of us think that, oh, you know, we know our story. We know the stories we want to share and you don't need any outside support. And for me, I'm like, but I'm so in my head so many times that I need somebody else to pull it out of me to translate back you know, the goodness or the juiciness so that you're creating the impact that you want to create in that way that it actually lands. And I think that's the difference between, well, I mean, I want to just share with you, like, do you think that there is a difference between somebody that speaks on stage versus, you know, somebody that's just, you know, on a podcast sharing their story? Well, I think they are equally as potent and when we were able to distill the, the really powerful language that you chose to use on that podcast and that we chose for you in that keynote, 
I think everything changed for you. And it was you giving yourself permission and having enough belief in yourself that you could use the language that was going to potentially make people feel uncomfortable for a second. But that was important in your telling of your story. So good. So good. So so on stage or a podcast, when you have the clarity around the language to use and what your story is, and that it is your voice and your point of view, then you just become free and you can exist in both platforms equally as powerfully. So let's, yeah, let's go on that journey. Take us through, you know, Trisha first starting out in New York City and then to where the different chapters in her life. Well, the story in New York City was, and this is the perfect story for The Brave Table. I moved to New York City at 20. I had just graduated with a BFA in dance from Stevens College in Columbia, Missouri. Wow. And I knew that I was going to move to New York and become a dancer and tour the world. And did you know you wanted to be on Broadway at that time? Well, I was a classical modern dancer and I've worked off Broadway and my husband's been on Broadway. And so I'm in the theater and I'm in the the realm in New York City, you know, Times Square and the action of theater. But my career as a performer was in classical modern dance, like opera houses, Paris Opera, Brooklyn Academy of Music, Lincoln Center, the Palermo Theater, uh, the beautiful opera house in Lisbon, Portugal, and Sintra, Portugal. So I toured the world in the most remarkable opera houses. And the history of that and the sacredness of those stages is something that has infused my DNA. And I still feel and smell that, if you will. And yes, I knew that I was going to do that and accomplish that. And like anyone who graduates from high school or from college or has some sort of graduation, people or birthday, right? People give you money. So I had 600 bucks that I received from relatives and friends upon my graduating college. 600 bucks. Wow. And a one-way flight to New York City. Mm-hmm. And I shipped everything from Columbia, Missouri in boxes. I didn't even like test out the waters. I'll go with a suitcase and see how I feel in a couple of weeks. No, I shipped everything. And upon arrival, one of my colleagues from Stevens, he said, I'm going to move there first. I graduated a year before you. I'll get us an apartment. Amazing. I'm going to be roommates with my friend from college. It's going to be in the East Village. It's going to be so fun. I get to the apartment, the building, and there's nothing around it. It's on 3rd Street between B and C in 1991. Okay. Wow. That's a scary time in that neighborhood in New York City. Next to the building is a bodega. Across the street from the building is where they park all of the mail trucks. And that was it. I walk up to the sixth floor and I walk into this apartment and his bedroom looks over Avenue C windows. My bedroom, no window. It's not a bedroom, Mita. It's a closet. No bed, no window? (laughs) It's a closet. It's not a bedroom. It's a closet. I'm looking around thinking, I can't even fit my single futon in here. How am I going to manage this? But it's New York and I'm a dancer and this is my dream. I guess it's normal. And I realized, wait a minute, I can't survive like this. I can't. And the rent at that time was $750 a month. So I was paying $325 for my closet, which still didn't feel right. So 
I left to go to a, a dance class and I come home and I said, I, I'm not going to be able to live here. It's too small. I can't breathe. There's no air. There's no window. And he said, well, all right. And it was slightly tense, but I thought it would be fine. Went to another dance class, come home. He has locked me out of the apartment and is holding my stuff hostage. And he says, you have to pay me two months rent if you want your stuff. Oh my goodness. So that's $600 I paid to get my stuff released. And I had a dance teacher who was living in the Upper West Side who said, you can come live with me until you get your feet on the ground, until you you know can pay for it. So that was my first story in New York City. My stuff was held hostage. I was staying on third in between B and C for not even a month. It was terrifying, gunshots, the whole thing. And then I moved uptown. And that's when everything started to happen. I got a job, waiting tables. I realized I didn't want to do that. So I started my own company. So I became an entrepreneur when I was 21 and have stayed an entrepreneur and have only worked for myself for the last 30 plus years. And after my career... And I danced all over the world. I also danced with Barishnikov when I was with the Lucinda Child's Dance Company. So that was one of my dreams come true. Amazing. And then... When I decided to move on from being a dancer, because I never wanted to be one of those dancers who could only do a double pirouette, not a triple anymore because of age and because of joints. You know, I've had two knee surgeries and a foot surgery. That's what dancers do. So I wanted to retire at peak. So I did a one woman dance show and I retired at peak performance. I went out that way. And then I decided to move into choreography, transitioned organically into directing and producing and making documentary films and helping tell stories. And then six years ago, a friend of mine said, I want you to direct my TED Talk. And I thought that'll be fun, just like a one-woman show. And we worked on choreography and blocking, intention, script analysis. And it was awesome. I didn't even think twice. She planted the seed. She said, you should do this. Had no idea that speaker coaches were a thing. Mm-hmm. Had mm-hmm. no idea there that was... so many people would probably really love what you bring to the table. Yes. Now, and I kind of want to pause you there for a second because here on the Brave Table, we talk a lot about how to build resilience. And anybody that's lived in New York, that already comes with an added bonus of like resiliency in a nice, deeply, beautifully ripped package box, if you will. And so for you really owning in on this like entrepreneurial side of yours and then seeing that there is this window of opportunity, really honing in on your gifts of being able to perform, what advice do you say to those who are listening in the Brave Table right now and they're terrified of speaking their truth? They're terrified. I see, you know, those of you following on YouTube watching this, Trisha's got a whole message behind her saying your voice matters, but they're terrified for speaking up in a boardroom. They're terrified for sharing their opinions, let alone getting up on stage and taking the mic and giving a speech at somebody's wedding. What do you say? What advice do you say to them if they are going to be, you know, tackling this as one of the things that they want to suck at, to be brave to suck at? 
and, you know, get better at it with time. Is there a place where they don't get this crippling anxiety or is that something that we have to shift? Well, I think there's... I'm going to unpack all of those beautiful observations and questions. We can learn to coexist with fear. I still get nervous and I have been on thousands of stages. I still get nervous and I have performed in massive, massive theaters and I have worked with A-list celebrities. And the reason that you you have that fear is because you care. And if that fear and that nervousness goes away, there might be a problem. And I would revisit how you feel about what it is you're doing and how you feel about what it is you're providing an audience. The way to coexist with fear is to make it about your audience. The reason we experience crippling fear or paralysis is because we're making it about ourselves. What if I fall? What if I fail? What if I forget? What if they don't like me? What if they think I'm stupid? What if I embarrass myself? That is all self-egocentric thinking. The moment you shift that and you say, how can I serve this audience? How can I give my best to this audience? How can I leave it all on the table? How can I make sure that I give them everything I possibly have to give them? I'm not thinking about myself anymore. So how I feel about what they think about me goes away because I'm thinking about them. So that's the first thing is you can coexist with fear by making it about your audience. The second thing is you have to rehearse. And I don't mean in front of a mirror and I don't mean in front of your pets. Your cats and your dogs are going to love you even if you suck. That's why we love that. Your mirror is going to tell you how fabulous you think you are. Do not rehearse in front of a mirror. You're going to get in front of an audience and not have that reflection and be completely lost. That's why as a dancer, when you're rehearsing, before you go into production week, you turn around. The entire room faces away from the mirrors so that when you get in the theater, you don't have those cues anymore. And they become physical because you're looking at an audience. You're looking at the beautiful black light because the lights are so bright that all you can see is the darkness of the theater. So remove the mirror, rehearse in front of humans. So, okay. So you're saying that maybe get, you know, a group of people that you love or that love you and just start practicing. You have to rehearse under mild pressure. And the only way you can increase that pressure is by doing it where it's going to give you the nervousness so that mild pressure would be your loved ones, right? Mm -hmm. A spouse, a partner, your family, people at home. I want to do this rehearsal for you and I don't want any feedback. I just want to do it for you so that I can feel my nerves. I can understand how my body is going to physiologically betray me because it will. (laughs) Sweating, mouth dry, nervous stomach, knees knocking, hands shaking. Your body is going to physiologically betray you when you get in front of humans because that is the way we're wired. So if you can create that confidence confidence loop where I'm going to perform this talk in front of people while coexisting with what my body's doing and the fear, wow, I, I didn't die. I can actually do it. Mm. And then increase that pressure a little bit more, up the stakes, do it in front of colleagues who you really care about what they think. And then up the stakes even more, invite in 
people who can give you feedback and you want to really do well. So I would say rehearse under mild pressure, increase that pressure and increase that pressure so that you know how you're going to be able to set yourself up for success when you're on the stage in front of 2,000 people. Wow. And it also well, requires... Can I, yeah, can I, can, I, can I pause you for, for a second? Because you mentioned something I think really important for those listening, the confidence and the competence feedback loop. So can you just describe what that is for us? For sure. When you have the confidence in what you're doing because of your competence mm-hmm. and you are clear... I am the competent person for this. It increases your confidence. So it's a loop that you can start, that you can keep in constant momentum. If you're always doing what you need to do to be competent, which is preparing for your podcast interviews, preparing for your big talks by rehearsing and writing a script and not winging it, then all of a sudden, wow, that went really well. I have so much confidence. And then it boosts your competence for the next time. So we're constantly setting ourselves up for success by having that confidence, competence loop always happening, always in motion. Mm. Oh, so good. I mean, so many great tips. And what if folks are just like, well, I don't ever want to do a talk, but I do want to get even better at sharing my opinions and sharing what really matters to me, but I'm worried about what other people think. That's such a great topic to bring up, Nita, because many people are afraid to share their opinions because of criticism. They are afraid to share their opinions because we have not been taught well how to coexist with differences of opinions. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote The Influential Voice, saying what you mean for lasting legacy, I have very strong opinions in that book. Mm-hmm. I also make it very clear that we don't have to share those opinions in order for us to like, love, respect one another. And I'll give you an example. When Roe v. Wade was overturned, I called my friend who believes the opposite side is me. Mm. And I said, Alexis, I need for us to have a conversation because I love and respect you. And I know that you love and respect me. And I believe this and you believe that. And I want us to both share our beliefs so that we can end this call knowing that we can coexist in these belief systems. And that is how you have conversations and share your opinion with someone who doesn't agree with you. And I would love for us to get better at that as a humanity and as a community, a global community. The thing that's important for your listeners and your viewers is when you become an influential voice, whether it is from across the kitchen table from your family, across the boardroom table from your team, or when you're standing at the Barclays Center in front of 15,000 people, every single word choice that you make has the ability to impact good or evil, love or hate. Mm -hmm. So it's important that you choose wisely and it's important that you recognize you're going to be criticized. People aren't going to like what you have to say. And if we can show up in full integrity and alignment, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. I feel like you've kind of dropped a lot of amazing nuggets and some big points because I really think that it is something that, you know, a lot of us shy away from. And I know that people have these like 
elephants in the room and they want to tiptoe around it or they want to just shove it under a rug because they don't want to or they avoid confrontation. And, you know, what I'm hearing you sharing is there is a way to be okay with not being able to agree on everything somebody says, but to actually be there and witness and love the other person, even when it's like killing you inside that you both don't agree on the thing. But I think that there's got to be this way and we have to build that as a muscle of being okay that we're all going to have differing opinions and that is okay. It's better than okay. It's amazing. Think about how much bigger the world is because we all think something differently. If we all thought the same thing, there would be no innovation. There would be no, you know, inclusion. I mean, that's the thing. Thinking differently is what makes everything so powerful. It's the lack of respect of one another who think differently from you. That's the challenge and the opportunity that we have to fix and change. Oh, the lack of respect. Yeah. And, you know, I think also people, as you pointed out, they just haven't been able to have those tools or practice those tools. So would you say that it's similar to kind of writing a talk when you're bringing up something that you're so passionate about to somebody else, or perhaps maybe it is a difficult conversation to have, what do you suggest for others to, you know, kind of take the reins and in, in the juicy nuggets from, you know, our conversation to start implementing, you know, the idea that their voice matters? Well, I love this question because I haven't thought about it in relationship to writing a talk and that process. What I'd love to say is when I'm working with my speakers, there's a, just a five-part structure, which is very simple. And it, it's something that you can use when you're writing a blog post, when you're writing a TED-style talk, when you're writing a keynote, when you're Ooh. writing a Facebook Live. And I think it might be possible to use it when you want to have a hard conversation. And it's identifying a problem, painting the picture or telling a story, introducing your new idea, solving the problem with that idea, and then a call to action. And I think we can use this five-part structure in conversations. I never thought of it before, but let's do it. I, I actually like that. I actually like that. I'm thinking about it for my kids because I'm like, ooh, that could be a good show and tell, at least for the older one. <laughs> you want to watch an hour of Paw Patrol. Okay. Tell me a story. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Or, what you know, watching an hour of Paw Patrol will potentially do this. However, if... When you do, you're feeling X, Y, and Z, and it's making you experience something a really amazing way. What if, and then you introduce a new idea, what if this happened? And then you solve the problem with that new idea. Wow, the call to action is, didn't we come up with an amazing solution together? Oh my gosh, I'm loving this. This is so good. This is so good for all the parents that are listening. So I kind of want to segue because I think that, I mean, these are all incredible juicy nuggets. What I'm hearing is the through line that what you really help speakers with, and speakers, it could be thought leaders, it could be coaches, it could be folks who want to get better in their own jobs of being able to share their voice, but it's the communication. And so 
are there nuances or differences when people are sharing, you know, stories from the heart? Or is it that we need to always lean into this bipart approach that you share, which I think is also amazing? It's a combination of both. And there's two parts to this answer. One is if you're sharing a story from the heart, and that means a vulnerable share. It's really important that you have healed from that trauma before you share that story. Oh, and that's good. Yeah, let's talk about what happens when we prematurely share. Well, that means that you're sharing from the wound, not the scar. And your audience will need to take care of you because you've not healed. It is your job as a speaker and as a storyteller to take care of the audience. And if you are sharing from a place that is not yet healed, a vulnerability that is a wound, and you potentially get upset or emotional, you are robbing the audience of having the emotional experience. Mm. It's your job to be healed. It's your job to teach us by telling that story how we can relate to it and put ourselves in your shoes so that we can have compassion and empathy. And that's why it's really important to understand how to share your personal vulnerable story in a way that serves the audience. The other part is the directing. When I'm working with actors and speakers, I implement what's called objective in action. And it's this, I studied at David Mamet's acting school and directing school with Seth Barish here in New York City. Objective in action means you know what you want. That's what you're going after, your objective. How do you get it? So when you're in a scene with an actor, what do you want from that actor? You want their attention. You want them to respond to you. You want them to get up and walk over to you. It can be that, that obvious. That's what you want. Well, how do you get them to do it? By playing in action. So you could ask them, come over here. And they do. Mm-hmm. You could inspire them, educate them, teach them. You could seduce them. It's the exact same thing when you're a speaker on a stage. Very simply, what do you want from your audience? The same thing every speaker wants from their audience, no matter what you're talking about, is their attention, Mm -hmm. right? You want their attention. How do you get their attention as a speaker? Well, you could entertain them. You could inspire them, educate them. You could berate them. If they're not giving your... You could yell at them. You could also wait. If they're looking down at their phones and you stop speaking and you stand there, trust me, in that moment of silence, every single person in that room is going to look up because they're going to wonder what you're doing. That is how you are captivating and in charge of your audience. Oh, oh, so good. I mean, so good. So, So to not be afraid of the audience, but actually allow them to be part of the experience that you're actually creating. And this yeah. could also be, you know, for people in your boardroom or in a meeting or at a school that you're giving a talk to or or whatever it looks like in front of your friends at a birthday party, at a wedding. You are in conversation always. Mm. Oh, so good. So good. And I know now you have this incredible academy. So let's talk about how you help speakers get even more love in the world. Oh, for sure. The Big Talk Academy is our 12-week virtual speaker 
and Thought Leadership Incubator. All of the speakers who go through the program, they become certified in the art of the big talk. And they go on to get featured on the Big Talk Academy speaker directory. We give them an opportunity to speak at the virtual showcase in front of producers decision makers, influencers who can book them on big stages. And that is our amazing group program. It is a global program. We have speakers from all over the world who have gone through this program. And they literally walk away with their fully realized keynote or TED style talk. Oh, in 12 wow. Weeks. In 12 weeks. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you're actually helping them create like a keynote, a talk that they could actually deliver. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Wow. And then from there, they can actually get a chance to be in the showcase or do they already have a showcase as well? Every speaker who's in the academy has an opportunity to apply to the showcase. And I make it an application process because I'm a producer. I want to produce a really good show. So that means you might have an amazing idea, but not be ready to speak about it. You might Mm -hmm. have an amazing idea but it doesn't fit in the arc of the show I'm producing. So at the end, I choose eight speakers. That's actually happening in December. And eight speakers get to perform live in front of a live virtual audience. And I give them feedback in front of everybody. It's amazing. Wow. And then also in the audience, that's where producers and folks who make decisions on keynote speakers and things like that are going to be able to see if they want to bring some of your speakers on for their events. It's an opportunity for anybody who's producing events to come and see vetted, certified, amazing speakers who have gone through our program. Absolutely. And what do you think are some of the things new speakers actually, you know, either are challenged by or the tiny mistakes that they are making? that you help with inside the program? Many speakers come to me with thousands of ideas and many speakers come to me with zero ideas and both cause paralysis. So inside of this program, I've created a a mining process where for two weeks, you get to be out of your head and into your creativity with a journal and I take you through the process where I prompt you to answer questions and you literally come up with 100 ideas which you can create into a book, blogs, you, you have all this content. And then I qualify and quantify these ideas with you. So we whittle them down to five. And then in these group calls that I lead, then you get an opportunity to share your top ideas. And what's amazing is in real time, you get the response of your colleagues. So if you've got three ideas and you share them all with us, we vote. And then you have the one idea that everyone's resonating with. So it's an opportunity for you to really distill that one potent idea. And then the other thing is learning how to create the talk. So many folks get overwhelmed. Where do I go? How do I know how to write this? Well, we teach you. This is not um, luck. Being a good speaker is not luck. Being a great speaker means understanding your technique that you can use over and over again. And once you have that skill set and that technique under your belt, you can use it for any talk that you want to create. But I think the one thing that's really interesting that I find again and again with the new speakers, because our speakers range from brand new to speakers who are already getting paid $30,000 a keynote. Mm-hmm. You know, this process is unique to the academy. But the new speakers come in with the fear of using their voice. 
because they don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. And that is also something we touch on inside of this program is the limiting beliefs and building up the confidence and making sure that every single person in this program walks away knowing without a doubt their voice matters. Oof. It's so good. And I feel like no one does it as well as you do. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we created Such Magic together in New York you know, pre, <laughs> just, just pre pandemic. And it was so amazing. And I'm so excited that so many other people will get a chance to really deep dive with you because to have somebody in their corner like you who actually can see, you know, what it takes to create stage presence too. Mm. And that's, I think, some of the things that are so important is how you deliver something. You don't want to just stand, you know, in a corner, kind of like that third grade teacher that you had that you fall asleep when they were like teaching you a lecture or something. You're so animated and you're so incredible at captivating them, even in the subtle ways. So very excited. So how can they learn more about this and what is happening? Well, thank you for all of that, Nita. And we did create magic together in New York and I look forward to doing it again. This is something that I would love to share with your listeners and your viewers. It's the Art of the Big Talk Masterclass. And it's an opportunity to spend two days with me in a live virtual masterclass. It's happening February 3rd and 4th. And it is six hours for two days. So from 10 to 4 on both days, you literally... I will give you everything that I have to give you. It's such a fun masterclass. It's $47. It's the art of the big talk.com. And I really want the big talk.com. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. The The art art or the art. Okay. The art of the big talk.com. Yeah. Cool. And it's an opportunity for you to spend two days with me and my team. And I do hot seat coaching. We talk about ideas. We talk about script analysis. We talk about everything that you need in order to start getting yourself booked on stages. And that is one of my favorite things that I do twice a year. And it's happening in February. Oh my goodness. And this is for folks who want to get booked as a keynote speaker as well. Absolutely. Oh. So exciting. Okay. Now for the igniting round. So you can go as fast as you want, as slow as you want, but I just have a couple of quick questions before we end today. All right. What does it mean to be brave in this stage of life? In this stage of life? Mm -hmm. This stage of life is all about being completely honest about everything. And that means menopause. I'm 52, (laughs) y'all. (laughs) It means who I want to spend time with. It means saying no often. Mm. Oh, so good. So good. And what have you been braving lately? I have been braving the amazing way New York City has come back. I have fallen more in love with my city in the last three years than ever because of the resilience of this city and the magic and the energy of it. It is one of the most amazing places in the world. And I'm devoted to this incredible Big Apple. Ah, You're planting a seed. I might want to come back soon enough. I'll be here. (laughs) Soon enough. And one word that describes the season. Effortless. Wow. Trisha, such a pleasure. Where can we get connected with you on IG, 
YouTube. I'm on I am on Instagram, Trisha Brooke. I'm on YouTube, The Big Talk with Trisha Brooke. My podcast is The Big Talk with Trisha Brooke. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. You can find me everywhere. It's B-R-O-U-K. Amazing. Oh, such a pleasure. Such an honor to have you. Thank you so much, love. And until next time on The Brave Table. Wow, loves. I hope you truly enjoyed that. That was a very special episode. I'm so glad I got to share her with you. And if you are curious about her masterclass, we are linking that in the show notes. And you can also go to trishabrook.com and step into her masterclass, her live virtual two-day masterclass that's happening on February the 1st and the 2nd, 2023. You don't want to miss out. It's absolutely for free. And when you do, you'll actually be able to get some bonuses that I know is so valuable and really help you and and help you get out of the fears of speaking on stage. And if you want to go directly to that link, it is called theartofthebigtalk.com, theartofthebigtalk.com. It is stepping onto big stages And I think you're really going to enjoy learning from her and so much more. And if you have somebody in your life who is afraid to speak their voice, afraid to speak their truth, maybe they don't want to just speak on big stages, but maybe they want to convey their thoughts and and get out of maybe their shyness or step into a bolder version of themselves, share that with them or share this episode with them. And As you know, I always love bringing concepts and things that will help you be a little bit more brave in your life. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, don't forget to give us a five-star review and let the countdown begin. We are officially so close to the launch of this book and I'm so excited. And I hope you can join me on January 31st. And in order to secure your ticket, all you have to do is go to thatsuckednowwhat.com to secure your ticket to join me on January 31st for a very private book launch virtual special that is happening from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Central Time. And it's going to be recorded, but it's going to be so fabulous. So I can't wait to see you there. And that is all I have today. So have an incredible day, week, night, and don't forget to be a little bit more brave. Oh, 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 oh,